0: Hey, everyone, how's it going? Good, awesome. All right, I'm going <laughs> to, I have a story for you. So I came home yesterday from church. I come to women's ministry here. Plug, if you are free Thursday mornings, absolutely powerful time of worship, discipleship in the word, and like sharpening with each other afterwards. So come, and the coffee's awesome if you drink coffee. I didn't start that till I was like 24. So I came home and I didn't have a voice yesterday and my husband goes Rachel and I was like it's going to be okay it's going to be okay my girlfriend I walked in to the ground floor and she said I have a word from the lord for you rest and be still and know that he is your god and I came home an hour and a half later with no voice and I was supposed to be talking all weekend and I told him and he's like Rachel why are you whispering and I go it's going to be okay i'm going to make you lunch and i'm going to lay down for an hour i'm going to rest i'm going to be still And my God is gonna give me a voice, and he did. So I'm just gonna declare, (laughs) praise God, because I feel great, but it's been a story. I used to have dreams as a kid. One of my biggest nightmares was I would be having a dream, and I would go to scream, Jesus, and I would have no voice. It was demonic. And that, like, it was crazy, and then whenever I would teach at, like, very important things, he would take my voice, and I've gotten more equipment, you know, in my backpack now with the Holy Spirit, so I just wanted to declare over my voice, Jeremiah 1.9, the Lord reached out, and he touched my mouth and said, look, I have put my words in your mouth, Rachel, so you will not be silent. You're going to sing praises to me this weekend because I'm your God, and you have given me Thanks. So, Jesus, your power works best in my weakness. I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that your power, Jesus Christ, can work through me. So, God, we just give you this weekend. We just want to seal all of these testimonies, which are the stories of the truth and the power of you, Lord Jesus, that you are true, that you are intensely after us your sons, and your daughters, that you are reclaiming us, and that we want to make a safe place to talk about intimacy, sexuality, brokenness, whatever it is. We just want to make a safe place just like you created in the garden that we could be vulnerable with one another. So God, I just thank you for it, and we just give you all the glory for the work this weekend. Holy Spirit, have your way. Amen. All right, so my name's Rachel. I have four kids. Sydney I think, has a picture of me and my husband, who was the really good-looking man next to Pastor Jake. Um, Oh, that's my husband. Yep, that was us 13 years ago in the ground floor when we met. This is us 13 years later (laughs) with lots of babies between us. So we used to be able to be much closer, but now we have lots of kids. So we've got Jaden. He is about to be eight over on the right. Jude, my dude Jojo Bean her name is Josephine, she's nine and then Josiah will be three in May so I have four children Um, yeah, that's us and do you have a picture of our wedding day, Sydney? I have a picture of our wedding day Ah, Tim and I are so fun I love him so much, he's amazing awesome, and then Sydney, do you have a picture of me in the wagon? yes and you can leave that up Okay, so I'm going to start there. So I was born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My parents were in Bible school. They were serving the Lord side by side in kids' ministry. I can, with all of my heart, say that I grew up with just unbelievable, faith-filled, Christian, God-honoring home. Like, my parents love God with everything. Did they go through pain? Yes, definitely. (laughs) You know, so that affects us at times, right? Amazing parents, amazing faith, but they're always, we're all working through our broken stuff, broken relationships. So I came back, we moved to Michigan when I was four for my dad to pastor a church. And uh, around that age, I had a cousin who started sec- touching me sexually. And it started, um, you know, just going upstairs into the bedroom and, you know, a hand would happen. And then, at the d- opposite side of the family, a gentleman who was a teenager, one of my cousins, he would sit on the couch and we would be edge to edge and he would put his foot in my crotch and like move it around. And I was about six when that started. So very confusing if you can imagine, as this is me in the wagon, this is one of my best friends, Stephanie, on a farm. So... I was very innocent, like I grew up on a farm and then at church, right? I was like dancing in the front row, just like I still do on Sunday mornings. It didn't change. But, like I was, I love God so much. Like that was just embedded in me. It was in my nature because of the general bl- generational blessing in my parents. And it just, I loved God all of my life, all the journey I'm going to share with you today. I loved God with all of my heart, but I didn't know, know what to do with what was happening in my life. And so at this age, that began. Very innocent, right? One year after this, my dad was offered our family farm. Yes, I grew up on a farm. It's a very large farm, very successful. And it was a very big honor for my grandfather to offer it to my dad. And if any of you have ever seen, you know, a lot of times you take over for your dad if you're in a family business, like it can be quite a big deal. My dad was working on the farm and pasturing, you know, and so he was, he's a hard worker. It wasn't his dream, though. And he, out of obedience, said, it's his father-in-law, so it's my mom's dad. Like, Merle, I'm just not called to be a farmer for the rest of my life. And I think that my grandpa took that as it's not good enough, I'm called to move my family to Grand Rapids. And so that's where God was leading him. So if you can imagine, I witnessed as a five-year-old the two men that they were the closest, most beautiful example of love to me, because we lived right across the street from my grandpa. Like, I mean, they were the, just my heroes, you know? They didn't talk for a decade. Ten years. My dad never came home on the holidays My dad started working third shift to avoid coming to church because he got got hurt, right? He got hurt, still loved me, still prayed for me, was an amazing hero, was an amazing encourager, but he was hurt. So he was absent in those years of those cousins touching me. And touching turned to laying on top of me. So dry sex, I think a lot of people don't, call this out, like we hear about pornography. Like everybody talks about pornography. Everybody talks about masturbation. Everybody talks about premarital sex. But a lot of people don't talk about dry sex. Like, you know, laying on top of each other, rubbing your bodies together like you're having sex, but no penetration. And so that was a huge introduction. And that's honestly how all of it got introduced to me was just touch. And then I would have this, teenager pinned on top of me, moving around and touching, you know, all with clothes on and not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do. So don't tell anybody that that's happening, right? That was a lie. And I'm going to do a plug. I learned that lie through Freedom Ministries here at church. Um, uh, Alec can mention Kairos Freedom Ministries as something before that, and then you go through Kairos. So a huge plug, because I had gotten free, we'll get to that, but Freedom Ministries revealed, like, why did I get stuck in that for so long? Like, because I just believed I was messed up. <laughs> so I believed that if I told my mom and dad that this was happening with our family, right, more family issue, that I would be disowned. So if I were to tell the truth I would now lose my dad, and I had already lost a big part of him because he was working through. You know, he was working through forgiveness. He was, the, and it did get there. But while that happened, I had my first boyfriend in second grade. His name was Brad, and he was amazing. You remember that? I don't know. I'm older, and uh, he. <laughs> they used to like engrave like football sports in the back of your head. Do you remember that? Yeah. Anyways, he was really. Cool, I thought. And he really liked me, and we were at a play date in second grade, right? And my sister came up to him and was like, well, Brad, do you love Jesus? And he's like, no. And she goes, well, then you, my sister goes, well, then you can't be with my sister because she loves Jesus. And if you don't love Jesus, like, she can't be with you. And he took off. Like, he literally, like, took it, like, oops, she's telling me I can't be with her. And he went and got my best friend, and so two lies that I believed was I couldn't tell anybody in my family what was happening to me because I would be disowned. And I can't be outward about my faith because if I'm attached to God, men leave. And so if you can just imagine this theology that went on in my mind, it was, it was wild. So I, it moves on, right? It, it's, it starts going, it, it keeps going, and... I'm coming here. I've been here at res since I was five. Okay, so 33 years. You can do the math and figure out how old I am. (laughs) And I've always heard the word, but I was so scared to walk in these rooms. Like junior high, high school, just couldn't do it. And it was honestly because a lot of other stuff entered into my life. So I just felt that shame. So I just wanted to throw something out there. That word shame, like that's what kept me where I was at. And in Hebrews, it says Jesus endured the cross that because of the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despising or disregarding, meaning like, oh, who cares about that, disregarding its shame because once he accomplished it, he was then replaced back right next to his dad, his father, bringing all of us with him. So I just want to say this weekend as I'm going to share. I'm going to get a little deeper now. I'm going to get into some deep things. I ask you to evaluate in my testimony. I'm not coming here to entertain you. I don't need you to feel sorry for me because I'm not a victim. <laughs> I am a completely confident woman of God who has been completely reclaimed by Jesus Christ. And so I am here to bring you hope to say because of the joy set before you, If you can endure, you know they say like you have to pick up your cross. It's like, well, Jesus, and you know, we're going to suffer. Like people aren't going to like us that much, you know, when you live for God. But it's like if you can endure the cross, like accepting what he did, and if you can disregard your shame that you're feeling and displace the shame and say, forget that, like I'm going to get free, you will immediately be seated right next to the father because there is just something that immediately happens to you when you say i am done (laughs) with this and so i just want to encourage you like that's our hope that's our heart you know i share this and this is my first time sharing this publicly you know this happened a long time ago you know so i share this out of i love you and i want you to get there because i want to give you hope so okay so here we go so I had a couple of guys that lived in my neighborhood. I'm getting older, and they would come around, and we would just kiss and seem kind of innocent, and then I was like, "Eh, I don't know about that. So I I didn't do that anymore. And then I had, I was a freshman in high school, and I was on the dance team, and I was, I just need to be close to y'all. I was on the dance team, and there was a varsity senior basketball player who was like, really popular. He started coming after me, started with letters, started with like pulling me over to the side in the hallways. i um, like, hey, Rach, like you are absolutely a fantastic dancer. Like love to spend more time with you. So I, out of my innocence, invited him like to family things, you know, like I really was like, this guy likes me. He seems really nice, really gentle, like, like a gentleman. Honestly, he came across as a gentleman. And I one day Invited him over, because my parents worked full-time in the summer. Sure, you can all relate. Um, All that alone time, not great. And I invited him over, and he forcibly had sex with me. So, like, it was like, I I say rape, I feel like that's so, But, I mean, I invited him over, so I've had a hard time saying that it was that. You know what I mean? Because it was like, I liked you. I invited you to my house when I knew my parents weren't home. Like I put myself in the situation and thought we were just going to kiss until it turned into forced sex that was cold that was hard and it was done and he was gone. And so if you can imagine like who could you tell? Who who are you going to tell? Like I had to go to school the next day. I had to dance for him. He was playing basketball, I'm dancing and there he was for a year a reminder of you're not valuable you don't have a voice you you just you need to suffer through this if anybody knew but what had happened is on the side of that my eyes were so open to sex like so open i was it just movies like can anybody relate to the movies that are out oh my word so had I be- Because I was touched sexually throughout my childhood, it awakened things, guys. Like, holy cow. Like, out of just absolute innocence, I was touched. Things awoke. And I- my body had feelings in places I didn't know that it could. And when I would watch movies... It literally was my coach. Um, Pastor Jake mentioned last week, like, who was your tutor? Who was your coach in your sexuality? Like, for me, it was movies. We didn't talk about sex in our family until I was 21, and my mom's like, you know, you don't want to have premarital sex. And she's, they caught me having sex at 16. Like, I'm I'm like, you're sitting me down now at 21. Like, (laughs) bless their heart, you know, but like, That was the first mention of sex in our house. Was it 21? And I'm like, well, you've got to be kidding. But I was coached through movies, right? It was, you saw a sexual scene, you turned your head, and then I watched it when they would go to bed, you know? And it just was the way that it is. I coached myself. It was soft porn, I guess you could call it, because a lot of the movies didn't show everything. But watching movies. I watched every horror movie that was ever produced, so I also introduced Demonic, into my life. So like just lots of fear, lots of Rachel, drive your car off the road into that lake. No one will find you. It's dark. Just drive it off. So tons of like, what? But do you want to know what the goodness is? The Holy Spirit. Because I grew up, the blessing was still on me because of my generation before me, my parents' faithfulness. Every time the devil would say, drive your car off the road or cut your wrist. Because that happened after the guy, you know? I had the knife in my kitchen to my wrist. And I would say, what? No. Like, thank you, Jesus, for the power. But you guys, I had never opened my Bible. But the seed that had been planted never returned void. Like, there is something about the power of the Holy Spirit, you guys, because I could never go through with it, and he always fought for me. He was right there with me. It didn't matter if I was so deep in it. He always fought for me. He was always in it right next to me. And so what happened is the next man that entered my life after that violence, his parents gave us alcohol every weekend. So age 16... We dated until my freshman year of college. So, three years, he asked me to marry him. Three years, I was toasted. I was so drunk every weekend. Can you imagine that I had, I gave up drinking at age 21? Like, I had been drinking from 16 to 21 every weekend of my life. And I found that that was my Holy Spirit. Like, that's what I was replacing him with. Like, that was my comforter. That was my, oh, Rachel, this just keeps you okay. This just numbs everything. Like I got pulled over, toasted drunk, on my way home from Saugatuck. But I'm really good with people. And so I was swerving off the road trying to find my way home. Literally, it wasn't the alcohol that time. And I'm trying to find my way home on this map, because I'm not in Saugatuck that often. It was dark, and I swerved over a line on the on the side. And I got pulled over, and the cop makes me walk the line. I'm like... What if he, like, ah, if he gave me the breathalyzer thing, I would be so screwed. And so I'm, he saw the stethoscope in my rearview mirror, and I was dressed super cute. And he's like, um, have you been drinking tonight? And I was like, a little bit. And he goes, oh, I see you're a nurse. I'm like, "Yes." Yeah. So we t- started, got him totally distracted, started, you know, working my magic, just getting him to be friendly. And then I'm like, Jesus, how? help me i don't know that it was jesus that helped me <laughs> but like i walked the line he never made me do the puffer thing and i got free but whoa was that a wake up call so anyways it got so bad yeah like so bad i mean i just want to be real with you here so i mean it got to the point where i got into competitions for, like, bodybuilding, I would compete state and nationwide on stages in bikinis with the glass heels. Like, it was horrible. Like, I was so obsessed with my body. I was so into alcohol. I was in very unhealthy relationships. Very unhealthy to the point where I had abusive guys coming after me where I they would, pin, like, try to pin me up against the wall because I would try to cut things off with them. They'd pin me up against a wall at work. And so, like, we had to do restraining orders it wasn't good and I got to the point where, like I wanted a nose job like this got to the depths of my identity here right I wanted a nose job so be smaller and then I wanted to knock out all my teeth and have them put veneers in like look at my teeth they're not that bad but the world says it's not it's not good enough It's not good enough. Just keep going, Rachel, because it's not good enough. Just keep pushing because you're not good enough. So it finally all came crashing down when a guy who I really was interested in. So this guy, for some reason, had such a hold on my heart. And he didn't want to have kids. And there was one time that we didn't have protected sex. And the next morning, I went and took the morning after pill. And I think and I know that how God finally got a hold of my heart was after he left. It wasn't just me that I'd hurt. I had brought someone else in. And I, I don't know if that ever was going to be a baby. But if it is, I had hurt that child. And in that, finally, God was able to get my heart. And it wasn't, at a, like, this wasn't available to me then. I hadn't been, you know, in community with church my whole life. Just coming in next to my mom and dad, that was it. But it finally, the Holy Spirit, hit me in my living room my last year of college and said, I have more for you. And I want to be that man. Will you let me? And I don't know. I I can't explain the moment. But when you literally had tried everything, you've kept everything, you've held it all. And you've given everything, you get really open to looking for something different. And so at that moment, I gave my heart to the Lord. I drove home, I think it was probably a couple days later. I drove home. It was Easter Sunday here. I always had to work Sunday morning. Um, So I came to the Saturday night service. And Pastor Andrew Blaukamp was carrying the cross up on the stage. And I just devoted my life fully to the Lord. And I can say that it was a very raw and real process. Like I would just be on my hands and knees saying, Jesus, you see everything. You know why I got stuck in this. You see it all, and I'm so sorry. Would you please, please help me? To give it to you and so from that moment it was just healing you know I it was the goodness of God I got connected into a community. Um, like an, it's like access, but it was a smaller Baptist church. Like I started going every week, you guys, I lived an hour out of town. I would drive to church for three or four times a week, depending on if they had an event and I would do the women's Monday night Bible study, the college age ministry. And then I would come for the midweek service, you know, and then the Sunday night service. Cause I worked all Sunday morning and I just gave my all. And I would say that like, I want to say it was this beautiful, like immediate thing. But it, I did have a couple things that took, you know, they say like, someone mentioned like a statistic that Jake did about Cy Rogers, like masturbation, because I wasn't having sex, like masturbation, I would say was in the picture for a little bit. And then it just, it did just naturally fall off. Even alcohol, like I have not had a drink of alcohol in 15 years. I mean, if you can understand, and and people are like, I had people so upset at me, like, Rachel, you're finally 21, and we're 21, and you stop drinking now? And I'm like, you guys, like, I can't. Like, the decisions that I make every time when it's in me, it's not me. I can't. It's not worth it. And so when I, I would say that when I was able to give up alcohol and I could be sober-minded because the enemy comes around like a lion seeking whom he can devour, I would say alcohol was probably the thing that kept me in there so long. Um, it just, I didn't, it was the replacement for the Holy Spirit. And so I just want to encourage you, if you can just close your eyes If you can picture any of these pieces of this puzzle, Sydney, can you throw up the text message from my dad that I sent you? So there was so much that occurred in my life that kept me a captive. My dad had walked in with me and another guy in high school in my bed, and a week later, he almost died in a hospital in complete organ failure. And a month later, my mom was diagnosed with MS. MS, multiple sclerosis. So if you can imagine the weight of conviction that I had in my heart that it was my fault, because I put my parents through. (laughs) Like, I can't even tell you. Like, I just wouldn't show up for, like, four days, you guys. Like, they wouldn't know where I was at. It was that kind of life that I was living. And this is a text message from my dad, just to show you the unbelievable freedom in Jesus Christ. Because my dad knows every piece of my story. I got to sit him down when I, you know, was really all given and reclaimed to Jesus. I was able to say, this is what happened in my childhood, mom and dad. And they just grieved, you know, and this is all that happened. This is, these are the decisions that I made but Jesus. And so this is a text message from my dad last week. You, daughter, are a God-fearing, Bible-believing, faith-wielding, prayer-slinging, sickness-slaying, encourager-enforcing, servant of the King of Kings, Lord of Lords. You, daughter, are highly favored, richly blessed, and a weapon which makes the demons fear and tremble when you arise, Go, pray, and conquer. And so I just want to tell you that if you can despise and disregard the shame and allow the Holy Spirit to have you open up about what's going on, you will be right in his presence Because we are always in his presence, he is omnipresent. He never leaves us, even in that, what I was living in. He never left me, because he was the voice that kept me on the road. He was the voice that kept the knife away from my wrist. I then ventured into the deepest community that I could ever imagine. Three years, at age 22, I entered into three years of college age, you know, community at a church. I had brothers in Christ love me like a brother. And I would say for two solid years, none of them asked me on a date because I'm pretty sure I was like, don't go there. (laughs) Um, And then a couple of them did, and I was like, no, no. Like, we can kayak together. We can, we can go camping together as a group, but we're friends. <laughs> and so I, I was coached by awesome men. Like, these guys were on fire for Jesus, y'all. I can't tell you what this group can do in the life of somebody, what you guys can do in the life of a woman, what you ladies could do in the life of a man when you become a friend. And you start calling them out, not because you want to have a relationship with them, but when you're calling them out because you see who they are in Christ and you want to be a builder. And so that time healed me. I was the wild one who said, I will take everything that the devil tried to do to me and I will use it against him. So I started working on the streets on my weekends alone because my friends weren't into this. Um, But I would go work at the Dream Center in Chicago, and I would go and minister to the prostitutes because I didn't have a pimp holding me in that life. I didn't have a sex trafficker, you know, um, running, running my life. But I had the devil running my life. I had shame running my life, and I had lies running my life. So I could look in the face of a prostitute and say... I, cho- I chose, for all means of it, I chose my life after my hurt. And I could look and I could say, do you know how valuable you are? Do you know how beautiful you are? Do you know that I love you and Jesus loves you? Can I take you out to dinner tonight? And I just, one by one, one by one, one by one and then I went to Bangkok Thailand and I was on the streets with sex trafficking when women are chained to the tables with a number on them holding out menus asking what you'd like to order so I was moving to Nepal to be a full-time missionary when I had a few months on my hands that summer to serve the generations so I knew I wanted to work with kids and so I came back to my home church. I just graduated. The next week, I came back to Res during the week, volunteered, put my app in for Res Kids Camp to be a nurse, and they're like, "We really love to have you in the ministry." Like before you go to Kids Camp, I'm like no problem. I got lots of time on my hands. Um, I met my husband in this room, Tim. Wave your hand. He was up on the panel. I met my husband, woo woo, in this room so funny. Like, I was sitting right here, and he was sitting, like, right there, and he kept, can you just keep looking back at me? So, like, we're listening to Pastor Daniel, and he, like, kept doing this number, and I'm like, oh, wow, he's really good looking, but stay focused. So, anyways, um, so last night, if you weren't here, <laughs> Kai is my discipleship student. We're close, um, and so, <laughs> um, I just wanna give you so much hope too. If you weren't able to be here last night, Tim and I shared that two people that had sexual brokenness, when you're reclaimed by Jesus Christ, there's so much hope in your future, whether that's in singleness or with somebody running the race. There is so much hope. And I just want to give you that hope in any time you'd ever need to be coached in that. Like, we have a lot to say about it. You know, there's a lot of process about finding who to run with. Um, But I just want to, again, have you close your eyes. Think about if you can resonate any area of my story. I never got to use my props, but I'm going to now. So open your eyes again. Sorry, I'm not good at this. I'm used to younger crowds. So I, the Holy Spirit told me to buy this yesterday. And oh my gosh, like ecstasy Trojan condoms and pregnancy tests. And I was like, really? I'm with my two kids at family fair. And everyone's watching me buy ecstasy condoms and pregnancy tests, because I've got big plans with, you know, like, <laughs> this is gonna work. I mean, like, or not, because if they don't work, then, yeah. So, anyways, um, I bought these because I'm a married woman and I've been married for 12 and a half years. And when I went to the shelf, I felt so ashamed to buy these. I don't know why that's there. <laughs> Like, with culture and with society, there's been a reclaiming that's been done by the world on sex and sexuality, and it doesn't feel good. So I just wanted to have you see these in church. Like, we need to not make... Like, church should be the safest place to say, I'm struggling with pornography. Hey, Rach... I've been having dry sex with my boyfriend. I don't know what to do with, you know, that that lust and that sex drive. Like, you should be able to come up to me. Like, I should be able to, like, I am that woman who's, like, friends now, married, two years in. I haven't had an orgasm yet. That's not okay. Like, thank you for coming to me. Like, let's... Talk through this, you know. Like, let's coach each other. Like, why are we not having that be the most sacred place? So, yeah, I just wanted you to see this. You know, it's a sex conference. So, I just, yeah. just they're not giveaways. I can't even get pregnant anymore, so don't need those. Um, <laughs> all right, close your eyes again. I'm going to try this one more time. All right, it's been really quiet the whole night, so I just had to like, yeah. okay. Oh, God, you are so good. You are so good. Holy Spirit, I just thank you so much for what you're doing this weekend. We don't share our stories except for to bring you glory and to say that You are real. You are more real than what any bar or a porn video or alcohol or pills, whatever it is that we would numb our lives with, you are more real than that.